Welcome to On Call with Insignia. I'm the show producer and co-host, Paolo Hoquinho. This is our 20th episode. So to everyone who has been tuning in, thank you very much for all the support thus far. For first-time listeners, follow us and stay tuned for more conversations with founders and technology leaders in Asia. Speaking of which, our managing partner, Ying Lantan, will introduce who we're calling in today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to On Call. Today, we have with us a good friend and an inspirational and unstoppable entrepreneur, Hendra Quick, who is the CEO and co-founder of Indonesian fintech company, PayFast. Most people know of Indonesia in the core city, Jakarta, but I think one of the key points is that the rural second, third tier city is actually a big component of Indonesia. And approximately 60% of Indonesians are banked or underbanked. And when I first met Hendra, I was very impressed by how he wanted to empower the unbanked in Indonesia. I like to call PayFast the PayTM and Square of Indonesia, but it's really a simplification because they're really asset light mobile first and they provide financial services for the unbanked in the country. And PayFast was the first Indonesian company to graduate from Y Combinator. And both Hendra and his co-founders were featured in Fox 30 Under 30 Asia list this year. And I think more importantly, the company was also featured in Y Combinator's top 100 companies of all time. So I met Hendra, it's actually quite interesting. When our platform picked up and they were going very fast and I pinged him and it turns out that he was in Singapore. And I think we are very privileged and delighted that Hendra chose us to be partners and I think we have a pretty good partnership since we invested. And Hendra, it's uh, such a pleasure to have you on our show. Thanks for having us, Yinglan and Yeah, for sure. So today, I'd like to start by you know, tracing the story of PayFast starting from the beginning. What we found in founders is that usually they try to solve their own problems first. And it turns out that several millions of people also have the same problem. So I think the same goes for you who returned to your roots growing up in rural Indonesia building PayFast. So maybe Hendra, take us through why you started PayFast and your personal journey in the rural economy. Yeah, thanks, England. I think definitely one of the reasons why I decided to return to Indonesia after working abroad is because I want to do something that can bring impact to my hometown. So I was a bit different from the typical founders that you see. So I grew up not in Jakarta. I grew up in a small hometown called Jambi. So Jambi is the typical rural country that you will see in the second or third tier areas of Indonesia. So I grew up from the middle class family there. I spent all my childhood there. During my study in Bandung, which is nearby Jakarta, I see that there's very different opportunities that you see between the first tier city and second tier cities. I also remember that my parents never really have financial planning, like what I see from my friends in the bigger cities. So I remember there are three things that remind me why I keep doing the mission of PayPass. I think the first comes from my parents, small merchants in Jambi. So my parents selling this Muslim clothes offline. And then I remember since I was a kid, I always go to the store with my parents. But I see that the store 20 years ago or even 30 years ago when I was a kid is not changing a lot after I was 20 years old. One of the reasons is because my dad has never had the knowledge that he actually can expand his store by getting capital access. So first of all, I understand that there are so many small businesses who never grow to the maximum potential because they never get support or capital access. 
And the second part is that when I want to go to study in the ITB, one of the best technical university, before I apply for ITB, actually, my parents don't think that I can be smart enough to enter that university. They said that I have to try the private university, otherwise I will risk my future. And then when I go to the private university, I apply for the scholarship, but I was not accepted. And then my parents don't have enough money. And they also don't foresee this failure. And actually, my mother was thinking about selling her gold wedding, right, to finance my study. That made me feel so bad. And that also opened my eyes that a lot of people, middle class family in Jambi, don't really plan the education for their kids. They don't have money to finance the study. And I also don't want uh, the wedding goal to be sold. So I reapplied to ITB and then finally I was accepted with a full scholarship. So it was a blessing in disguise. And the last part is that when I just graduated from university, my mom got cancer and the operation cost was so expensive. And then again, we fell into another trap that we don't have enough money to cover the operation cost. So my brother is also just starting working in the bank with some manager level. The salary is not so high. I was just graduated from ITB and I don't have money as well. So, you know, like the three moments of my life make me realize that financial access, as simple as capital, education saving, and health saving plan is very important. If it happens to my family, there are millions of other families in rural areas of Indonesia. And I cannot imagine if all these kids lose their future because they don't have education savings. For all the sons and daughters have to see their mother don't have money to cover the health costs. And many small business cannot grow to the maximum potential because of limited financial access. And I want to bring the change for that. That's why I decided that after spending four years across the United States, South America, and also Middle East, having some exposure to technology work, I decided to go back to Indonesia and I want to do something to change that with technology. And that's how PayPal started. I think that's a very powerful story, Hendra. How you felt the pain point from your journey and then you try to solve the problem. So now I think PayPass is going to provide financial services through a network of agents, what we call warungs in rural Indonesia. What was the financial landscape in rural Indonesia like back in 2016 when you first started? And how did you decide to take this agent-driven mobile-first approach? I remember on 2016, I just went back from Brazil to Indonesia. And at that point of time, I got some offers to work. And then one of the startups that really interesting for me is the startup that works in the rural areas. I got offers from some big companies, unicorns, consulting companies, but I decided to join Kudo specifically because they tackle rural areas. So I was responsible to lead the growth of the company. And because of that, I go a lot to the rural areas. And then I was trying to sell this e-commerce product. But surprisingly, instead of using the e-commerce product, they asked me to build something else. They asked me to build the way for them to get financial services. And then when I deep dive into what happened in the ground, I realized that it's very hard for people to do financial service or payment. At that point of time, we haven't seen GoPay or OVO, and we see that there are very limited bank branches in that rural areas. And there's a huge unmet demand from this population to, to get easy access either to pay their bills, pay e-commerce, send money, or even get some capital for their business. That's how I see that there's a huge demand. And then as much as this population on a smartphone, they are not that tech literate. And secondly, they are also not financial literate. So when we try to offer them service, teaching them about how to use it for the first time is difficult. And then we see that we need to have some agent to help 
educating the financial literacy and how to use the fintech products in their life. One of the things that we also observe is that in rural areas, we also see these common warungs or Kirana stores everywhere. And most of these rural population really believe in these Kirana stores and they interact a lot. Then I saw that there's a sweet spot to turn these Kirana stores into agents to help this population understand and use financial service. So I turned them into agents and create this as a way to raise the, the users across Indonesia. And then the users get the access from the agents and then it's become the supply and demand for the platform. So that's when we decided to take this approach. I think this has been a great journey. And I mentioned earlier, you know, I think you were the first Indonesian startup to enter YC. And obviously there's been many more Indonesian companies then, but you were the trailblazer. What was one of the learnings, some of the learnings that you took away from the YC experience and how do you apply it in, in PayFast? I think one of the most powerful things that I learned from YC is about how they teach us to understand the customers. Because in the market like Indonesia, especially in the rural areas, it is the market that is relatively new to tackle. And the behavior is very different from the existing players in the Indonesian digital economy at that point of time. There are a lot of new behaviors that we need to understand. And then there are some frameworks that YC has given to us. We learn directly from the people who have experience building some new economy like Airbnb or Dropbox and how they evolve some small pain points into something that is useful for a lot of users. There's a lot of framework. So I learned this framework at my time in YC. That's the first case. The second case is also like before PayFast, I actually don't have that many experience about fundraising. So YC teach me about how to understand the basic fundraising and help us to finally meet with Insignia and several other investors and navigate this complicated process in the first place. And the last part, of course, in YC, we also see some other fintech that are much bigger than us. We try to get some insight about like how we should develop fintech products using the advanced technologies and advanced product development from Silicon Valley, but apply it to the local knowledge. So it's like having the hybrid between the, the global knowledge versus the local market understanding that in turn create something very powerful in Indonesian rural market. That's a very powerful combination. We call it local, right? Global knowledge and local implementation. And now I think banking the unbanked uh, is a global phenomenon, right? Across the world, in Kenya, Brazil, India. How do you think Indonesia stacks up compared to these other markets in terms of banking the unbanked? Any advantages or disadvantages that Indonesia has in the market for adoption of these services? Yeah, when we see Indonesia versus the country, I think that first of all, Indonesia has a very huge growth opportunity because the digital economy has just started and it was growing exponentially because the population is very young. There's a lot of young population that is tax heavy and the penetration of internet and smartphone also increasing. So Indonesia itself is very exciting for the digital revolution. And the second part that makes it even more interesting is that the amount of unbanked is one of the highest in the world because Indonesia itself has a high population compared to, let's say, if you look at the United States and China, they also have a high population, but pretty much almost majority of the population already bankable because they already use some sort of digital payment or they already open some bank account. But Indonesia itself represents a huge population where the percentage of the unbanked is very high. And the last part is that the tax savviness from Indonesian customer is still low. So there's a huge opportunity for you to educate them and become the first financial service for them. And then you grow with them 
and evolve with them to provide a more complete set of financial services. When I compare with the development, let's say in China or in the US and in India, right? They are pretty much more developed in terms of technology infrastructure. For example, in China, we see WeChat Pay and Alipay. In the US, you see PayPal, Stripe. So they are very sophisticated. In India, we just recently see a revolution because we see that Narendra Modi, the prime minister, sort of like doing a demonetization strategy and they also launched a, a product called UPI to transform the whole Indian landscape. We haven't seen that in Indonesia and I expect that this will happen soon. And we've seen the central bank actively pushing towards that with the launch of national QR system called QRIS. They're also consistently advocating the transition of the payment into e-payment as well as transition of bank into digital bank. And I think this revolution will happen in the next couple of years. That's why we are really serious on positioning our stuff towards this unbanked end, focusing on developing the technology to make sure that we are not missing the momentum, like what happened in India or even China. I think that's a very accurate trend. And I also want to retrace the progress of PayFast. So I think it started off with some of the basic services for agents, but I think it has now become this massive ecosystem of various financial services apps ranging from bill payment to loans to offline merchant payments. Can you walk us through the thought process and the evolution behind this trajectory for the rural community? When we started the company, we know that one of the reasons why there are so many unbanked in this place is because there is no effective distribution channel. So the first step that we do is to find the most effective method to distribute things in rural areas. According to the history, we've seen that Kirana stores is the most effective tools for consumer goods or telco to distribute their products to this huge rural population, hundreds of millions of people. And as we see that the Kirana store or Warung is the most effective one, we try to onboard all of them to our platform. And then as soon as we get the Warung on our platform, we use them to distribute products, right? In this case, for example, we provide things like bill payment that is already familiar to the customer. And when the customer interact a lot with the PayFast agent to access bill payment, this kind of interaction can be used as a baseline to create a platform. So if Google was started as the place for people to search, right? So they started as an information search, then they cross-sell to also help people to search for video through YouTube. And then they also help people to search for apps through Google Play Store and Android. So we envision PayFast to start as a bill payment agent network. And as soon as we have a very strong distribution and scale across the country, almost a quarter million agents serving almost 10 million users. And I think that is a very powerful number of users. Then we decided to turn PayFast into the Google Play for financial services. We want that brand reputation that whenever the rural people want to get financial service, be it bill payment, saving account, lending, or even investment, they just go to our agents, which has some PayPass logo on it. Then they can ask the agents, and then the agents with the mobile application that they have on their hand will help this user to get the financial service. Like the people in the city always think that whenever I have to find apps, I will have to go to Google Play. We would like to see PayFast as the Google Play of financial service for the rural people. So that's how we evolve from the bill payment agent network to finally become like the go-to agents for every financial services. To achieve that mission, we do several methods. First, we partner with many financial services providers in the country. We also have some internal license where we create some customized financial service products that is tailored to this unbanked rural market. 
I think the nice analogy is that you have started to build up what is called the Google Play for FinTech apps in Indonesia. This approach has proven to be a pretty impactful one for Indonesia's rural economy. I would love for you to share a story or example of how PayFast has bridged financial access and empowered some of its agents. We heard many interesting stories of how you have changed the livelihood of agents and some of their users. So love for you to share a story. One of the examples is that Warung Sokirana Sos in Indonesia, they always spend, I would say, like 12 hours or even more than 12 hours of their time taking care of their Kirana store. So they wake up at 8 a.m., they are very hardworking and they are very dedicated, right? They start working from 8 a.m. and then they're going to close the shop at 8 p.m. or even 9 p.m. So we see that these people is very amazing. They are very dedicated, they are trustworthy, and they are loved by their community. So one of the first thing that we do is to empower this agent about how to help them making more money and how to help them do their business easier. And PayFast value proposition firstly was focused on helping these war rooms. And we are providing them with some features like feature to help them manage their stores, like the cashier front, the printer for the receipt, incorporated into PayFast application. And as soon as we see them engaging more, we also provide them with a way to make more money, such as becoming bill payment agents or even providing them with the capital access. And as we see them engaging more and more, then we come up with the model where we try to turn them into the Google Play for fintech apps for their communities, which is the rural and bank. The way we do it is that we create the banking agency feature or financial service agency feature inside that agent application. So initially, the application is used to empower the agents to sell more to their customers. Then we turn this into the platform for financial service agency, where this financial service agency feature is the key to bridging the financial service access from the financial service provider, which is mostly headquartered in Jakarta, and hundreds of millions of people, which is mostly living outside Jakarta. And then the way we do it is that we digitalize the whole financial service process, which is typically being done offline. If you remember before the era of smartphone, many people have, whenever you want to do a credit for your house or car, when you want to open a saving account, you need to go to the branch and you fill all the paper, right? So we digitalize the whole process. We, we replace all the paper with the digital form. We try to change all the process into digital. And then all this digital process was embedded into the PayPass application. So instead of being done in the branch of the financial service provider, now the customers can just go to the agents and they tell the agents about what they need. Then if the customers have smartphone or even they don't have smartphone, the agents will help them to fill in the data, right? I'll give you one example of how impactful it is. We have an agent in one of the very rural village. So in this village, there is one small seller of cake. This mother, remind me of my mother, I think 40, almost 50 years old. She was selling a cake in the corner of like several neighborhood house. And this cake seller already know about PayFast because she sold cakes there and then she had her house. So sometimes she need to pay electricity. She go to PayFast agent and then sometimes she want to call her daughter or her son. She need a phone credit, right? So she taught the phone credit to PayFast agent. So she knew about PayFast, but at that point of time, we haven't introduced the financial service product like capital access. So when we start to bridge the financial access through our financial service agency feature, then the agents over the mother who sell the cakes get the chance to get access to capital. And then the mother is definitely very happy because she's been selling the cake for 10 years. She didn't own any shop. And she always want to get like 3 million IDR or 4 million IDR, which is just 300 US dollars to build her own shop so that she can grow her business. 
as soon as he applied through the agents and we see that actually this candidate is a very good business, small business owner. She has good vision for her business and we feel like she has a good character to, to get this capital. Then we approve the capital application and then we disperse the capital directly to the mother's bank account. And then suddenly the mother's now own a store. The income from the cake business grew up almost two to three X and then she has repaid her capital. Now the business is growing much better than ever. And this kind of support for the small business will not happen if paper agent is not there. For the last 10 years, it never happens. Despite we see that there are so many banks in Indonesia, no one really catered to the needs of this small business. And then by having PayPass agent and the financial service agency model to bridge financial access, we see that the empowerment doesn't stop at the agent, but it also goes towards the communities around the agent, be it the unbanked people, the small business or the informal business around. So that's what excites us the most, what keeps us exciting every day we wake up. Like whenever we do things, it's not just for the pure company growth or the profit, but we also see that a lot of social impacts being transmitted to the rural areas where we operate. That's what keeps us going despite all the difficult and the, the hurdles that we face. That's a great story. Some great examples there. I, I had the great fortune of having done a town hall at Payfast and I was very impressed by the culture. Having rapidly grown Payfast since it started, how would you describe company culture and how I've been managing the growth of the company. I think for the company culture and growth, it's something that you always need to take care together. If growth is fast, the company culture also has to be adapted really fast according to the growth. One of the most important things to make sure that there's a good culture is that you have to remind the people about why we built PayFast in the first place. And of course, I know that all of my team in PayFast have mothers. All of them have parents. All of them also can understand about small business that they see in their surroundings. The small business fighting for their families. Of course, in the journey of building the difficult things or even building the big things, there's always times when people will be demotivated, right? Where the morale will be crushed by the difficulties that you face within the company. And then one of the ways for me to motivate the employee is that I always tell them, just remember that you are doing this for millions of mothers. If you love your mother and you want to help the other mothers in the country, we need to fight to do this. So I always put the sense of mission and help my people to relate with the mission, just like what I feel with my mother, what I feel with my parents and families, what I feel with my hometown. And then that's always helped me to bounce back whenever I have the difficulties. And I think it's quite good so far to help us making sure that people is doing this correctly and they are passionate to do this every day. And the second part, of course, like I personally has a very strong growth mindset. And one of the things that I would like to see in the people in our organization is the mindset that people always want to grow. And I always tell them my personal experience that, you know, like before I was in my position today, I was a kid from a small hometown. And the fact that I was rejected from the scholarship in the private university, and then it almost destroyed my future because I cannot study because there's no money in the table. And I managed to get to ITB and then, you know, I grew as a best student and then I cracked it to the United States. I learned about tech and then I studied PayFast. A lot of this is possible only because we have the strong will to grow ourselves. So in papers, we always make sure that whoever inside the company always needs to grow. For example, maybe you start as a marketing associate. There's one of my team members started as a marketing associate. Then she grew up all the way to marketing manager, managing like 30, 40 people. And I think that's amazing. That's the culture that I want to see in people. 
those are the two core like i always remind people that we always need to know why we do this our mission and secondly we need to always grow ourselves so that we can grow our mission to the bigger communities maybe not only in indonesia one day in southeast asia and the last part of course we always try to make sure that the culture is easily being understood we have this culture that we call step step so whenever the people are joining our company we always tell that take your first step so step constitute s which is start small t which is take a lead e which is eager to grow and p is pro customer so it encompasses all the value that we want to see it can be related by the people and so far is good and i feel like one of the other important culture that we also bring is that the people has to always think that all the people around you is your family so in the sense like when you want to achieve something big right you cannot just move alone you always need to involve your team like the football team you have to have the goalkeeper you have the the striker and you have to have the midfielder and the back right because sometimes we also see that you know the business people can always think that i can grow really fast you know i need the tech to do this quickly and then the tech always think that i will have this idealism that i want to do the tech perfectly without this perfect tech the business guy will not achieve the hyper growth and the business guy always think even you have a good tech if you don't have a good growth hack we can grow faster so i was trying to avoid this kind of like people moving into their own direction by building this teamwork and family culture like the football team so far even though with all the weakness we see that this kind of help us to make sure that everyone align towards our direction with our fast growth every year we see that this culture has been helpful for us and then i think it's very important for all the founders to make sure that they have something like this in place otherwise it's very easy to get everyone disaligned and forget why they do this in the first place and then when things goes out without this thing in place everything will break apart right and we don't want that to happen fantastic man i think this is great a very proud of our accomplishments and with what you've accomplished so far i think many startup founders in indonesia look up to you and your co-founders what's one piece of advice you would share to founders who are listening to the podcast today basically i would say that there's one quote that i always put in my life is that i will say that nothing is impossible nothing is impossible but we need to focus ourselves on and want to give extra effort on that right so if if i look at i think a lot of founders when they start the company is you always think that it's impossible to do there's always that difficulties along the journey even if you look at my story right i can never imagine i was in this position today from the fillers in jambi like like this a very long story like how can i go to itb and then how can i work abroad and then how can i go to ic how can i met insignia and how can i met the other investors along my way it's something that i can never imagine before right but because i believe that nothing is impossible and i think that's also applicable for elon musk like who think that elon will be successful in building rocket everyone will say that it's impossible also for jack ma he was rejected by even kfc and then he built something like alibaba so because i feel like the mindset that nothing is impossible of course also need to be coupled with our mission why we start the company in the first place will help us going through all the hardships especially during this covid time right i think a lot of people will feel like oh i think this is the end this is so hard for me but i would like to shout out to all the founders that maybe we think that this is impossible today but i think if we still focus on ourselves try to survive you know focus on why we start this in the first place and as well as keep consistently putting the hard work and the effort despite all the signal always tell us that it seems impossible and you should stop please neglect all these things and then still think that nothing is impossible as long as we always focus ourselves and put the best work 
to make it happen. So I think that will be one piece of advice for me to all the founders. Thank you so much for the advice. Okay, to wrap things up, we end up with a quick fire questions. We're going to ask you a simple question that you answer with a very simple answer. Favorite book on entrepreneurship? Yeah, The Hard Things About Hard Things. That's a good one. And what movie or TV series would you recommend to fellow entrepreneurs? I think the movie about the Steve Jobs history is interesting to see about how Steve Jobs envisioned the future of hardware. And he sort of like fight through the naysayers that say it's impossible to fight against the incumbents. Favorite app or tool that you use right now on your phone? Well, I'm pretty much really enjoying music and arts, so all these like travel spots, like exotic places. So Spotify and Instagram, I like it so much. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see you have a strong Instagram following. Favorite place to go in Southeast Asia? Well, I like Bali in Indonesia. For Southeast Asia, to be honest, I haven't really explored it that much. I feel I spend more time in South America. And I would say Brazil is also pretty amazing. Bali and Brazil. And is there a fellow founder in the region that you think highly of and you would like us to invite to talk on the show? Well, I think Shopee and Garina Group is pretty much on the rise now. And it's kind of amazing. I think they, are, they used to be underdog, right, when they started the e-commerce company. And then see Shopee now transform into someone who is being considered as equal contender for the huge giants, even like incumbents in Indonesia. It's very exciting how they crack through this hardship of being underdog and bring the impossible to happen. So yeah, I think that will be an interesting uh, speaker in, in Southeast Asia if Insignia can bring Forrest or someone from C Group. Yeah. yeah, that's a great suggestion. We've taken so much of your time, but thank you, Hendra, for coming on, on call with us today. And thanks for allowing us to be part of your journey. It's uh, really a privilege to partner since your early days. And we are all very excited to see you and your team take pay fast the new height. So once again, thank you very much. And Paul, you want to wrap it up? Yep. Thanks again, Hendra and England. So to all our listeners, stay on the line and connected with us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Waves, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until our next call, this has been On Call with Insignia Ventures. Mm-hmm.